mean, it aged like a fine wine in my Minas mind. Minas Tirith. Minas <laughs> Tirith. I don't know. Lord I, of the Rings, baby. I'm shocked at how this turned out. It was truly an experience. I'm into it. And I, I'm, I think the students will be once they hear how this kind of all rounds out. Oh, yeah. So I think... You start this one because I I was the I was the dom boy last time and just totally usurped it. Okay, all right, here we go. Clap me off, Scotty. Welcome back to class, Mother Dunkers. What's up? I am your absolutely out-of-pocket professor, Ethan. Ooh, and I am your, I don't know, criminally adjacent this time, Professor Ricky. It's been a weird, weird day. I've got to be honest, but out-of-pocket. I mean, that's quite a bold well, claim. Well, that's going to come up when the episode starts. Sick. Are you but I want to hear your thing. You're though. dropping the bombs, yeah. My superlative, I'm dropping it early. I feel you, I feel you. Yeah, before I, you know, we came to the lab to hit the record... I was finishing up the show we're going to talk about today, but in that time, my tiny little complex was just swarmed with what felt like 35 to 40% of the entire city's police force to, uh, I guess they're reporting or, you know, following up on a domestic dispute. And it was more unusual than I thought it was because of a few key factors here. One the guy or people that are typically in that unit just weren't there. <laughs> they just weren't there. There was, there was not the typical cars. There was nobody there. And I'm like, all right, uh, I <laughs> told you facetiously that I thought me playing this show on high volume was the cause of that. And I'm just sitting up like, I didn't, uh, <laughs> law-abiding weeb <laughs> over <Officer>. here. <laughs> Gotta be honest, it's just war. It's fine. The show's good, sir. Sir, can, sir, have you ever heard of Weepology? <laughs> I'll be able to tell you all about it, you know, for views. But then these two cop cars worth of cops staked out in front of our spot. And then, like, a third rolled up, a fourth rolled up. They stay there for, like, 20 minutes and then leave interior 630 my place i see two completely different cop cars because the other ones were all suvs these were two coupes or two sedans roll up i mean tokyo drift their ass into my parking lot with the lights on still didn't get anybody because they're not there so i don't know <laughs> who called this in poor stakeout folks it's, it's, it was an absolute failure on on the part because they're staking out an empty home from what i understand all right at all um so yeah, that was very odd to have the chaos while I'm trying to enjoy my fucking Japanese animation. But at the same time, the other thing I wanted to bring up was I went to Ikea for the first time in my life. Dude, Ikea rips. It is fucking sweet. The One, only problem is it makes you feel so broke. It does. It does. Like, I took pictures of a I mean, bunch I do, of stuff. Like, I make a decent amount of money. I have a good job. And I go in there, I'm just like, fuck this. Absolutely not. Nope. I can barely afford the freaking meatballs. <laughs> I did try their meatballs. Phenomenal. Seven out of ten. Wow. It's they, definitely they, they more have, than that. I, when's the last time you've been? Because this is going to, I think, resonate with the people I went with. I went three years ago. I think the pandemic has not done them uh, kindness. A service? Yeah, not really. Actually, but the one I went to 
Well, I've been to the Charlotte one, but the one that I went to um, that I ate all the food at was the Mall of America Ikea. Mall of America just has an Ikea just sitting in it? Of like, course well, it does. Well, it's not in it. It's like across the street and it's like very large. Oh, yeah. This one was um, the Atlanta one. Quite large. I'm sure. Than I anticipated at all. So I was shocked. But there's just something like so like it just feels good. You was walk fun. through this showroom and it's like fuck it I'm, i'll throw that in my bag i'll throw that in my bag i was thinking pictures and then of you shit. have <laughs> you have this little like this little like checklist you're walking around with with your inventory you feel like all professional oh yes like, mm, yes i'll get uh, a number nine six three four two one in the yes let's look at <laughs> the gray colorway Why honey not? do we need this chas lounge <laughs> oh right i came here alone the all right <laughs> yeah this is lounge the, the chas lounge but yeah i i did take a couple things of inspo for potential decor in the new lab space and okay. i think we can discuss how that's gonna look but thoughts on fake versus real plants i'm a fake plant guy Okay, I want to put fake plants everywhere. Same, dude. I really, really, very much want to do that. Like, okay, but I don't do want to like keep things alive. Exactly, my sense. biggest yeah. issue. I, I like the aesthetic of it. I wonder, like, so succulents don't require a lot of water. It's like once every five days, maybe. I mean, maybe I'll just throw a couple of those on that big island over sure, there. Sure, go I for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I've already have a bunch of plants picked out because in in my <clears throat> place right now, I just have a lot of fake plants in my little bathroom, so it mm. at least feels a little more cozy for exactly 50 square feet what bothers me though is like either real plants i don't know about fake plants but it feels like it'd just be like a bug haven oh yeah oh yeah yeah. and with a fake plant bugs gonna come up and be like what the fuck is this dude (laughs) like like, what's this formaldehyde mate there is no synthesis of photo anywhere (laughs) here and i hate it i hate it but yeah ikea if you haven't been it slaps dude it's so fun it's so fun. It's honestly just an experience for the senses. You're like walking through like all these different realms. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing they don't have, and they guide you with light based arrows on like literally just traffic of people. And then you get to the kitchen section, and it's like, yeah, that's a fifteen thousand dollar kitchen. You're just like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can pay for this in installments of six hundred a month. Yeah, if you for want. life for life for like two year plan. Yeah. If you just like, hey, we'll just make your kitchen for you. For a price. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, getting in and out, because we, we got, went super early. By the time we left, it was a freaking battle to get out of there, because there's absolute traffic for days. Just human, just crowd, body, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Speaking of battles. That was a bit, <laughs> a bit outside, <laughs> but I'll give it to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Today, we're talking about the second part of a show that, that we had talked very highly of a very long time ago. And I think it actually has a lot more to say than your typical mech show. I mean, it really is a standout, and I'm not a guy who kind of is a big mech dude, but I want some of these models really bad. Like, I would 100% get models of some of these machines. But it has a lot to say, and the show is quite deep without being preachy, and I think that it's biggest highlight, but we will get into it. Ethan, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the 86... Begin now begins my out of pocketness. Okay, this is the best show of the year by like a bajillion Ooh, percent. Okay, I, I don't think you're exactly that out of pocket, but we can talk about why maybe that's. It is a ex- cinematic, literal masterpiece. I know I throw that around quite a bit. The masterpiece, 
but this genuinely is. Oh no no, and I have I have notes on exactly why. It's filmographically Fil- <laughs> a masterpiece. I realize I just said cinematically, yes. and that is the same thing. But I really wanted to emphasize filmatically. Yeah, um, I think the art is absolutely a. <laughs> I mean, just a, a pleasure to mine eyes. It is. It's by A One Pictures, who does such things as Sword Art Online, Kageyama's Love Is War, and I mean. Everything, most things that A1 puts out are absolute bangers, but like from a visual standpoint, this is creme de la creme of, of oh, their visual it, feasts that they offer. It like takes it to a next level. It's girls owned panza meets uh, <laughs> a, bit of, a bit of Attack on Titan here yeah, and there. I was like, going to say, this is better than Attack on Titan. Now I there's know. your out of fucking know, pocket. Guys. There's your out of pocket. It's better. I, we, we could talk about why, because I think maybe maybe you can make a case as to it why like, a valid case. It has like beyond the symbolism of like Tokyo Ghoul's first season. Yes, the symbolism. Oh my I God. I mean, this, this, I'm telling you right now, if, if, I think you could do like multiple video series of like just the symbolism and just this part. Right, I don't, right, right. I didn't recall it being like so ridiculous in the first, uh, like first core, I guess you could call it. Yeah. But like this entire like episode 12 to 23, I felt like every episode was chock full of little like, Mm. I I guess like allegories and symbolism for like what was going on or maybe like the feelings that certain characters were having and just shit like that. And my God above this show slapped so hard. I was watching it and I was like, yo, this is like my favorite show of all time level. Wow. My sh- my favorite show of all time being Band of Brothers. Like we're real, talking like sh- yeah, just yeah. pieces of visual yeah, fiction yeah. right now. Holy shit. And and, it, and wow. I think it's it's the emotional weight. It's the gravitas of like literally the situation, the the like tight knit group. There's there's the, the like the martyr character which I so I, I was gonna say that. so vibe with. I knew Shin was gonna be your boy. So I think before we start gushing a little more, I can't stop. I, oh no, I I don't want to interrupt this. Ricky, bring it, a towel. <laughs> I'm a moist over here. <laughs> I'm Shit. gushing. I um I, let's set the stage for part two. And then we'll get into I think the visuals alone and the storyboarding, pacing, and the framing of these shots is worth some of this episode in and of itself, but. What this story is about, it's about a kind of future surrogate Earth type situation where you have the Republic of San Magnolia, a country republic that uh, has been boasting that they have been fighting a war against the Legion, the remnants of a fallen empire who tried to uh, stop an uprising but failed using AI technology and machinery as their army. It backfired horrifically, and now these things are running rampant across the human world, and it is up to basically everyone else. As far as we understand in part one, the Republic of San Magnolia could be the last bastion of humanity. We just don't know until season two or part two. Uh, and it turns out that this country, like you know, like a lot of allegories in real life, are kind of built on lies and corruption for the betterment and the kind of soothing of the general public. When in reality, they are not fighting an unmanned war. They are fighting a war using what are known as processors or prejudiced groups against the Alba, who are kind of like the master race in this country, have prejudiced these human beings to be the manned piloters of these machines 
and let the the privileged Alba Alba race of people kind of just live peacefully, knowing no human lives are lost in this conflict. But they don't even see the eighty six as human. Given that nickname in the eighty five districts of the Republic, the eighty sixth unprotected is where everyone who does not fit that race are seen as subhuman pigs. The story, as we talked about, go listen to our part one uh, for all this analysis in depth, but it is really clearly a commentary on systemic racism, but how ingrained in the fabric of society it can be to the point where well-intentioned people may not even understand that the kind of things that they have been uh, brought up and indoctrinated in, and it's just so matter-of-fact. Part two explores what happens when another country's system kind of welcomes these people with open arms and still employs their skill set. But does it? But, I was going to say, but does it quite? Like, and I think it's kind of showing commentary that no system, though better than others, is perfect. No uh, civilization, no citizen group is perfect in that regard. And it's a very interesting take on the other side of the fence, which is kind of where this part two is. Uh, setting the stage in. We are now outside of the Republic in the Federacy that welcomed our 86 operate the spearhead squadron in with open arms after they left to finally just go as far as they can into enemy territory to just get the fuck out of there because they did their mission. Some of their missions more important and emotional than others. But um, yeah, that's kind of where we're sitting. They've been indoctrinated. They've been trained up to fight for the Federacy to combat this global threat of the Legion. Now, back to the visuals real quick, because I think that needs to be said. This show is the king of showing so much and so little without saying a word. Incredible. I mean, the the transitions, the things unsaid in set pieces in the background, this is a masterclass of how to do really good societal political commentary without being preachy i never felt like i was being preached to but i'm like i can recognize what they're doing here what they're what they're trying to say i think the only like caveat i would say is like it's obvious they were trying to say something i just wasn't necessarily certain because there's no like the the biggest issue i had with like the discrimination against 86 is there's like no there's no like definitive like a like, basis for it. Well, like descriptor or like there's nothing. Yeah. Basis, I guess. Like yeah, they, they look yeah. like everybody else. But that's the thing, right? The Alba are all silver haired, silver eyed, mm-hmm. unified in that aesthetic. It, is that not in and of itself kind of a commentary on the idea, the psychology of racism as a whole? Because it's just the other. It's human beings being tribal by nature. It's us and then the other. And this show does a really good job of, to your point, right? They look like everybody else. They're just normal fucking people. Right. But because there is that clear divide in aesthetic, they just have built societally. They have built a reason, built the other. They built the other, the perception of the other, not just, oh, they... uh, Like, I would agree with you if it was exclusively from the Republic standpoint, but it isn't. So, like, there's, like, got to be some other reason why they're thought of as the other. Because, like, the Federacy, while they, like, pretended to care about them and pretended to treat them well, like, they still were trying to get them killed for most of this season. And so it's like, I don't quite understand what's supposedly so monstrous about these these 86. 
And, yeah. and I'm not sure that there is an answer. It just feels like there should have been like maybe a like a more unifying characteristic that they had other than just being like good at war, which you would think would be a really good thing. Sure. And to your point, I think I found it really interesting because I had a moment when I realized why the Federacy, not everyone too, a lot of the leadership, the very high up leadership were almost sociopathically kind of more like leadership leader oh (laughs) dude but yeah seriously who is the like the head guy with the old dude with the glasses like the president of the federacy he was so like really on their side about keeping them alive and giving them all the rights and and stuff to the point where like if you guys aren't willing to uphold my ideals of justice and being fair i will literally take everyone down with me go get fucked like seriously and that um, was a Kind of an, I felt, odd scene. Yeah, right. Because, like, while I applaud him for sticking to his morals and, like, sticking up for what he believes in... He kind of went full, like, way beyond the gray. Like, Well, it's just, like, it almost becomes amoral if you go, like, so far for five people versus, you know... Your country. Two million or whatever. Yeah, you, right. It's not even, like, a your country, their country situation. It's just, like, you're responsible for millions of people, not just five. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, to to your point earlier, like there's no kind of basis on the prejudice. I think the system of the Republic, you know, it had more of a traditional tone to that kind of systemic racism, where it drove these 86ers to become the perception that which they already had monsters, subhuman, they literally live to fight. They're not even like, they're not even people. And then when they go to the Federacy, who's a little more chill about the whole 86 thing. I mean, we've seen people be like, you know, save the 86. Like there are individuals and groups, large swaths of people who really care about their individuality and rights. But a lot of the people within the military complex see them. They're just leagues beyond the point. Like they're just monsters, like straight up monsters. Whereas the Republic made them the monsters. They're seen as monsters as a byproduct of the Republic's bullshit. That's kind of where I saw because the Federacy was better, but it wasn't devoid of that. Right. right? And I think that might be part of it. It's like there's no system that may be devoid of that mentality because it's a humanity thing. It's not a it's not necessarily a societal thing. Yeah. And like if if that's all it ends up being like, I'll be totally fine with that as like a like sort of a reasoning. Yeah. But it's just like, like they did nothing wrong in the Federacy at all. They they literally only did their jobs and and worked to the best of their ability to do all the missions that they were given. And yeah. so, like the prejudice doesn't make sense unless it's like, wow, they're so much better than us. We have to like disparage them from that perspective, which I think is what there's a uh, Eugene and I forget the other kid's name, the red hair kid. Eugene and Ma- Milo, uh, Milo or something Michael like that? or something. Oh, Mikel, M- Mikel, something like something that. like that. Yeah. He was like very anti Shin, but I think that was literally like a jealousy for how ridiculously good Shin is at everything. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think part of it is just like, it's, it's more of a, you know, kind of a cautious distance being placed rather than an, a straight up prejudice, right? Like we don't know, what they are, why they've come here, why they're absolute monsters on the battlefield to the point where, yeah, give us the fast, like tin cans. Don't give us those big bulky safety things you got. Let us just bounce around real quick. They're like, that's absurd. Why would you want that? So I think it's more of 
you know, the Federacy and the people within it are kind of cautious about the other, but for the most part, they later they would they literally the United Kingdom's front were diverting just for their effort. So they clearly understood their worth, at least here, more so than I think the Republic did, where they were expendable, useful, maybe in their time. I don't know. It's a good yeah, point you bring up, though. Like, I, I, I think I sort of, you know, of course, I was bringing it back to U.S. history and, you know, world history a lot. And it almost reminded me of like, um, like during the Civil War, there was like, um, units of like freed slaves and stuff like that that did fight back, uh, you right, know, against right. uh, the South, and and that reminded me a lot of this, where it's like the '86 were freed, <laughs> yeah, quote and then, unquote, and then they all, they just wanted to fight and like you know they wanted to be useful to the war effort, and they're like, no, you don't have to do that anymore. We we saved you. We're your saviors. You know, it's almost like sort of a white knight complex that the Federacy had. There, Especially for like the child soldier situation. There was a really good quote. There's a character in this show. I think her name is Fredesia or Frede- uh, Fredericia, something like that. Um, um, the, the little Fredrika. Fredrika. Thank you. Fredrika. She is this little chibi emoto kind of like little sister thing. And but apparently she's like the last empress of like the former uh dynasty essentially in this federacy and she is a lot more knowledgeable and nuanced even though they that's that might be one gripe i have for that character is that they bounce back between the emoto little pouty sister and someone who is bringing some real good character development to the table and i i didn't necessarily love how they handled her but she had a really good quote that to the president who is given? We giving you everything you want. We're going to give you rights. Like you can just be, you just can be citizens. And the, she said the republic put them in a cage of prejudice and war, and you can't recognize that you're putting them in a cage of pity. They just got freed from the republic. Don't cage them here in the same way. Interesting, and I love the way that was because I think that could be another commentary on just you know affirmative action style like. You're kind of overdoing it because, oh, they've been hurt so bad. Let's call, just give them everything because you feel so bad. That's in a lot of ways just as bad. And this, this show, without saying it, does a really good job of having a character kind of call that person out as the representative for the entirety. He and said it himself. He speaks for the entirety of the Federacy. So he represents the country's ideals. And by caging them in the pity and coddling them, he's not giving them a choice the same way they didn't have one before amazing amazing commentary on that so kudos all all around um yeah i mean i think it definitely shows like you can take your your like thoughts and prayers let's just say for like taking somebody out of a situation but if they don't if they i guess if they like sort of vibe with the situation more than you really thought or like I mean, they even mentioned like, oh, this is all they know. And that's the reason that they don't think of the future. It's like, that's not for you to really decide, right? If, exactly, if right. they're willingly wanting to go back into, to, you know, danger's way and, you know, try to make a difference. It's totally up to them. And it's it should be like, they should have thought of it. It's like, all right, well, like we understand that. And I actually liked the president's growth on that matter because yeah, he, he yeah. says, okay, but you have to go to, to like, 
um, officer school so that after the war, you have like a lot of good options as to like things you can do. Right. Cause he says, you know, officers are going to have way more options than just enlisted. And I liked that it, he did feel like a, a lot like a father figure, which these kids never had. Right? Sure, like Shin's sure. really there, been their dad the whole time. <laughs> Daddy and, Shin. And Shin is like, you know, messed up in a million different ways. But, you know, just, just, I think they, they didn't do a, a perfect job of showing them like caring that he cared. And that's you fair. Know what I mean, and, that, and that's fair. And that, that might be their, you know, a byproduct of who they are as, as characters. Well, I think they did actually in, in like maybe the last episode when they're like, we're home. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that really, like... Right. Like, we're coming back not just to this country, but to you. Like, right. we, we and are... And I think that, like, honestly, it was, like, a pop-off scene, That dude. was pretty good. That, I was that, like, yo, this... The last two episodes were just, like, borderline waterworks. Oh, oh so um, good. But I did think it was, like, <laughs> a little wild. The, the whole sh- season, I guess, ends up breaking down into just trying to, to destroy, like, one essentially... Uh, weapon yeah so and it's like they kind of make it seem like oh yeah we're done and then it's like uh (laughs) you barely started boys right right you just turn the tide for now that the legion has this weapon called the morpho which is essentially this big fuck off rail gun yeah and that thing was fucking gnarly by the way um and one of the interesting things in this show that I love that they really doubled down on in this is another part of the commentary of the soldier and the psychology of the soldier, both during and after uh, being broached with war and battle, that both sides, the Legion and the Republic slash Federacy, let's call it the human side, really, you know... One side is just taking brains to offset an obsolescence plan that their creator had to keep them going, but it's literally just a brain in a suit. Where the other one, you can argue, the pilots are kind of the same, really. They're just brains in a mech. They're just meant to be piloters. And Well, I think it's... Uh, not to get like too deep on it, but it is probably very difficult as like a general of an army to think of everybody as individuals when it's like, I imagine that decision. If you really thought about every single one like that would be like potentially like heart wrenching every single time. We saw it with Lena when in, in part one, when she tried to really humanize right spearhead squadron and in doing so, she got closer to them. Sure. But that technical oversight in the middle of season one, that when Leo just popped the fuck off at her, but he had that big, that big drop, like you don't even fucking realize this entire time you have never once asked for our names. You thought you were getting chummy. You're trying to give us an edge in battle by doing extra work, but you never asked for our names. And that right there is the problem with you. You're just doing this to kind of soothe your own ego about being better and above it all, but you aren't because you're part of it. And this second part, well, I think it's it is just like a really good commentary on like the weight that you carry in these positions, and like you know they didn't do PTSD like you would expect in like a I guess a, a, whatever you call it, like a 3D movie with like real actors and stuff like that, right? right. It's not Terminal List where you get to watch him like not sure what happened and like, you know, freaking out. Is Terminal List any good? I liked it a lot. Okay, sick. That's a Chris Pratt one, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. The critics didn't like it because Chris Pratt's in it, but yeah, it's sure, actually sure. good. Everybody liked it. Sick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, audience score, but I, but they did they did it through the mechanics that they had in the show, which is like Shin having these like flashbacks, everybody holding their heads, being like, you know, thanks or we're waiting for you and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And so like yeah. I think it's like also a really good indicator of like the duty that shin feels like he has to everybody that's gone before him and and like i know that survivors uh guilt guilt and and like kind of how ridiculously tough that is for a lot of soldiers i think was showed extremely well in this incredibly well and that's kind of like why why i wanted to bring it back a little bit toward like band of brothers is like you know the loss that they all shared in in that show and i guess obviously in real life and then, like, the survivors, them feeling so bad about, like, you know, their buddies, their their brothers, sisters dying at, at war. Yeah. It's just kind of like, a, I thought, like, potentially one of the most, like, in touch with actual human being shows that we've ever had to review. Because it did a really, really good job of juxtapositioning the, the mech sci-fi futuristic warfare Next to like what we saw a lot in part one, but even more in part two, those human moments, those little human moments of that. And the way they did Shin's representation of survivor's guilt and PTSD, it's, you know, little spoilers for season one. We're keeping it kind of light for season two. But um, Shin does have, I think it is a clan trait, the Nosen clan trait that uh, either neither here nor there. He has a sixth sense and he can actually hear the thoughts of the legion because remember they are brains operating as central units for the ai he can hear the the thoughts and the screams of those uh you know people because they will harvest those brains from the battlefield and you kind of live out your dying moments over and over to kind of pilot your objective as a brain in one of the legion's things so he was he can hear all that all the time at all the time and if there is not a better perfect analogy of survivor's guilt and, you know, representation of that PTSD, I don't think I've seen a better one in a very long time. Incredibly well done. And him living with that, he goes through a lot of interesting character developments, like how the fact that he some at some point stops to really care at all. And he starts fighting really recklessly, like really recklessly, almost taking on all of those voices to fuel him and convince himself, I need to die on this battlefield. I got no one to go back to. Like, why, why am I alive? Why should I be alive? So, fucking brilliant, man. Like, I, I have no notes. I mean, and it makes Shin as an interesting character as well. Because, I don't know about you, but he, you know, his growth of finding another reason to live has to resonate with someone on a deeper level than I can even possibly understand. Right. I, I mean, shit, it's it's a masterpiece. <laughs> right. I think it's probably hard um, because it like war was literally all they knew. It's probably not very applicable to a lot of humans on Earth, probably. Sure. Like sure. as far as like that specific aspect of it. Yeah. But I think I mean, they, they played it really well where they're just talking about like his his em- feeling of emptiness and like being dead while still being alive kind of thing. I'm sure there's plenty of people that feel that way where it's like they don't really know what they want to do with their lives. They don't want to they don't know what they're meant for. Let's just 
you know, yeah, put it that colloquially way. say. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I just, I thought like <laughs> genuinely this show is like at, at surface, it's just like a fun, like shoot them up, like almost Gundam style. Like, well, yeah, if you, if you like job, it, jump in your mech, but it's so, so, so much deeper. Oh yeah. Like, I, I genuinely don't think that there was a show like in a couple, last couple of years, at least that was like this fucking deep. Not the one that I think I have watched. I, I mean, and to the point you were mentioning, like how just that emptiness that Shin had, I mean, they take it one step further and you can see him like slipping into maybe a nihilistic attitude that I think a lot of people might actually experience on a smaller scale, less, less grand scale, where it's like, fuck it, right? Like just straight up, fuck this. Like, I, I what does it matter? Nothing matters. Everything I do is it's still the same old, same old. And I, I liked the idea that under the surface, without being, again, without being preachy, I never felt like I was being preached to about like, oh, this is what we're talking about with society and, and PTSD and this. Like they had a lot to say, yes, but it was all done through framing, shot composition, character interactions, a, a byproduct of the world, not the world screaming at me, this is the message, go for it, you know? I don't know. I, I, I like shows that do that. I've always said that I like shows that show don't tell. And even ex- the only exposition we ever really get is like about the war situation. Just like what's happening on the field, like the battlefield. So everything else came through. There's a there's a beautiful scene that I wanted to talk about where remember Eugene, you know, the the friend that he had made uh, when he tried to assimilate himself into the real world of the Federacy. Um, he was going to officer school as well. He was sent to the battlefield with, well, at the same time as Shin. The transition between him holding up a locket of his little sister and then snap cut to it in his hand when he's just on death's door on the battlefield. Very powerful. Like, yeah, I get to see her again, snap. And then... I mean, I'm telling you guys, this... <laughs> I mean masterpiece type shit like that literally i think comes from like a band of brothers type thing where like they'll they'll flash back to a conversation that they were having between like two like uh comrades or whatever about like oh my wife yada yada and then they'll be like a blown off hand somewhere with a letter from her in his hand or something it's just like so i think it's so visceral and like (laughs) it like really uh like i think this entire core was just so emotionally high strung yeah because like so deep like genuinely like i don't know that i've seen an anime this fucking deep right and i mean even in that same scene we know that shin he takes it upon himself to you know kill any person on the field that could be in the future a brain for the legion to harvest for another soldier on their end so he has this you know pistol at his side that he takes the lives of people by just like, you know, putting one between the eyes to but out of mercy, out of mercy. That's why he's called the Reaper. But Eugene saying thank you takes his, he, Shin takes his life. That uh, that Mikael guy comes over like, you did this, didn't you? And he, we see all like, he just stone face does get a little emotional at the prejudice. And then he's asked over the comms, are you okay? Puts his head down, breathes out, and then. It's not him looking up. It's his machine looking up with the red eye. And he says, yes. He just snaps back into so, like soldier mechanic mode. And I'm like, 
that gave me chills. And that was like 30 seconds yeah. of, of all that shot composition. I'm like, that is fucking brilliant. I'm like, oh my God. I had to like just pause for a second. I'm like, that. And that said everything <laughs> about Shin's mentality in a jump cut. <laughs> that's that, there's the anime there's so many anime that yearn to be i mean there's i think of like two year eternity and it tried to be high art and it got close but it's just too in your face and preachy 86 just absolutely just fucking finds that beautiful line and just and it, and it wastes no time it's so well paced everything about it um trying to think uh, I feel like we've just been gushing. Do you have any? Do you have any notes on the on this on the second part? Yeah, I mean, you did mention it a little bit. Frederica's a very odd character for me because number one, I couldn't tell how old she was supposed to be. Yeah, didn't didn't um because I thought this all like kind of started years and years and years ago, and she looked identical then that she does now. Didn't Raiden basically ask her at one point when he kind of caught wind of like you're smarter than you look. He's like, how old were you 10 years ago? And she's like, damn, they found out. And then she reveals that she's the last empress of that old federacy. That's why I didn't um, quite get. Yeah, right. So I, like 10 years ago, so she should be 20. Why she look like she hasn't aged? I don't know. It could be a clan thing because her particular clan also has an ability where she can see the memories of people that she meets or looks at. Um, I don't know if there's any tomfoolery there, but we do have a bit of supernatural shit going on well, in I, the show. I think her, well, because like you said earlier, you you were kind of annoyed that she'd be like cutesy and then she'd flip to being like Actually, super deep. Yeah, right, right. But I think that's pretty easily explainable by like being, seeing people's lives like that many, evidently everyone she looks at, she sees like either their past or their future or their death or whatever. Like, I would imagine that would grow you up, like, hella fast. That's a fair and then point, yeah. also, like, living through your, like, empire or whatever collapsing around you, your, your quote-unquote, you know, knight brother guy dying in front of you. Kiria. Yeah, like, basically having to pretend that you're dead so that, you know, the, the ashes of, of the past will stay in the past. Like, I imagine that would grow you up quick. So I wasn't too worried about like really her like mercurial personality between like little girl and in like super super wizened aged individual but i did like i wish they had explained like why she looks like she's 10 when she's got to be at least 20 plus yeah right and then she also like like you said half the time is acting like she's a dummy little girl and like even at the end she was doing like arithmetic and shit and it's like, so what's I? What's your deal, they girl? Just like, <laughs> did a weird job with her. Yeah, right. And I, I realize like she's obviously like a plot device, and I wasn't necessarily a fan of the plot device. Like, I think it's deep enough and beautiful enough as it is to not need little Frederica coming out of the woodwork to be like explaining to Shin why he feels the way he does. And it's like, bitch, you're fucked up too. Well, I think they, to your point, plot device, but then it's important to understand what was the device's end goal. I think in my mind, she was supposed to be a surrogate for what Shin once was, because the parallels are obvious. Shorei, basically his older brother that he was going after in the first season, she has her quote unquote night brother, Kiria, basically she wants to chase after and kind of, you know, put his ghost to rest. and. The I think she was just there as a foil to show 
the character growth or more like arc of Shin for sure. Like there's moments they had like you got to go chase your ghost of your brother, but you tell me I can't of mine. How like how dare you? Like 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 imagine if someone told you that when you're looking for your brother, how would you feel then? I think that's I think that's really kind of what she was meant to be. And I will say they they used the the little girl, sister girl trope fine. They used the deep parts of her in really good moments, but I don't know. It just felt weeble wobbly. Like she was just kind of like connective tissue for other stuff. But to your point, I don't think they really ever needed that. It's kind of just. Fluff, I mean, that's what I know? mean. Like I think she really was supposed to be connective tissue. I just don't know that it actually landed well. Nor like specifically I think her. Else, yeah, because I think everything else was so strong that she was just superfluous. She didn't need oh, right. to be there, right? And Everything she else really did say like the same shit that Shin was already thinking or whatever, yeah. like a few times. And then, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I think it is hard to watch a little girl be like so wizened occasionally. Like some of the shit she said is like, even she's like scolding the president. And it's like the dude clearly has lost his whole family. Like that was the... Yeah, that was the precipice for yeah, all that kind of thing. And uh, Basically, uh, right when they... He took him into his house. He asks his like maid, "Is it wrong to to use him as like surrogates?" Which I thought was like, that's a pretty nuanced. But ask. For, for like a throwaway line in in a show, serious serious shit, man. Yeah, right. Like, like, th- that's the thing about this. Like every, I mean, you really got to pay attention. I think At least you can obviously enjoy it without really paying attention. But like a lot of the imagery, I think, was very difficult to even put together if you weren't like really paying attention. I think they were, they played a lot with like life and death imagery as well, specifically like, um, the chrysanthemum or the, or the flowers called chrysanthemums or chrysanthemums. <laughs> not, not chrysanthemums. chrysanthemums. They're what? uh spider lilies. Spider lilies. That's right. Uh, it's I mean, like, uh, like a flower in Japan that like indicates death. death. It supposedly like grows on the like river sticks or whatever. Yeah. And I like their version of that. And, and there's then like a, there's a, there's scene. a lot yeah. of white butterflies flying by and just like a lot of stuff indicating like passing and like moving on. And then, I mean, <laughs> I, this show is like, so like genuinely so good in my opinion that it's like, it's genuinely hard to talk about this. Yeah. Because and, it's like almost like I just want to like rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, right. Honestly, like, and, and that's the one thing too is if it's any indication of how much the people that were involved in this that cared, I know the director, it is this, the director of this, sh- of this show, it is his first time solo directing. He was assistant director on Mirai and on Erased. And like, he, that, he was an assistant and this was his first head director job, period. Holy shit! I mean, like, race is great, and this shit's on it. Yeah, I yeah. Think. I mean, and that, that's that's the thing, right? Is that he is like a seasoned vet caliber level director, and there is a there's a lot of recap episodes that you can see, but one of them in particular is called the Visual Commentary Special, and I watched it, and it's the director, I think, like the storyboarder, and like someone else, like a writer or some or some. They're they're very high up in the production of this, and you can tell all of the love the passion the stuff they were talking about as they recapped and that level of effort is more than a lot of shows get in an entire season this was an impromptu recap ep that was live action almost as if you had like a youtube reacts but it's the directors doing it nice it was sick i was like this is and i didn't i didn't look away i was like whoa normally i'd skip the hell out of this but like this is incredible 
this had so much love poured into it and it's clear that the director really understood the vision i think is the guy who wrote this light novel is called atago atago or something like that atago atago or something um but yeah it's it's shocking to me how something like this isn't like on mallet's eight four and i think that might be criminally low which is wild to me yeah, here's my other auto out of pocket thing. I think this is like what Evangelion wishes it could be. In in that like they were clearly trying to play with imagery, play with like deep feelings and like this idea of like growing up, this idea of like duty. And it's just like every one of those beats, this show does a million times better. It really it, honestly it kind of does cuz it, it just doesn't fall apart. It absolutely fucking sticks the landing and um, it's like it, it's it's like a really unique show that you're able to use something like relatively futuristic like mechs and like still use them and it doesn't feel like you know you're playing like space games or anything right but you know while at the same time it's really all about the humans and like i think that's what evangelion wanted to do but like I cared way more about the mechs in that case. Right. The the Evangelion, the showcase was the mechs in 86. The mechs were just the literal and figurative vehicle for the story of the humans. Like, seriously. And something else like like this show does a rare thing where Ethan was saying, like, you you really gotta watch it. This is one of those shows that if you popcorn this shit. You're still gonna have an awesome time. Good 100%. War Max CGI visually is popping off. Horde. I mean, they you might really, cry at the end. They, hmm? You might cry at the end. You might cry at the end. Yeah. The last two episodes, I was pull, I was holding it together. Barely. And that's and that's popcorn. And that's just popcorn level. If you really put it down and really give it your attention, you're guaranteed to cry in those last uh, two episodes. You are guaranteed. <laughs> and this is why one for the episode. Bull howdy now. It is deep, deep, deep. It is so every single scene, you could pull away an image allegory. You can pull away a metaphor. You can pull away, like you said, even the offhanded stuff has a lot of questions around it. If you're willing to give yourself over to thinking and really applying that WP, that wrinkle power, you're going to walk away with arguably an anime of the year contender and that's i didn't i didn't think i would go into it after see after part one i was like so it was good yeah i I recall us both saying it was really good yes we did and we thought like potentially there'd be like some other force out there so i was pretty hyped that we got that right yeah i did not expect there to be three other nations still existing and like these entire other like um I guess fronts of battle. I just did not expect that. Um, but I think it, it's far surpassed anything that we guessed could have happened. Yeah. Um, which big fan of that. <laughs> yeah. And the, I guess the one thing I would have, I would have liked a little more exploration in was maybe the, the Legion itself. And I, I'm I still very fuzzy on it. It's very fuzzy, but to, to something you said earlier in the episode, you know, at the end of at the end of this show, they have they have just turned a major tide, but they are in no way done at all. Right. Like, there's so much more conquest needed to get to the heart or whatever the fuck is going on here. Well, they keep mentioning their manufacturing facilities are still functional. It's like, 
Why don't you attack him? Just a question from from like me to you. I think, yeah, I think it's a distance thing. I don't think they have the mili- the artillery to you know no yeah. ICBMs or anything like that. They, they, they say that, just- but like they shoot shitloads of cruise missiles. They were shooting like all these weird like future age missiles but it was only like 400 500 kilometers basically like they're a huge artillery was like four or five hundred kilometers um i think we're talking like a continent level of land to conquest before they can even get to those manufacturing facilities and so this was my question like yeah they i think they play this really weird game where they're like simultaneously extremely um advanced like the parade shit where you can like link into other people didn't they have a throwaway line that that was built off of the of a clan's ability I, yeah I, I think it was the nosen clan actually the or, or, clan or maybe melise or whatever the fuck lena yeah, yeah. um but th- the point being like extremely extremely like forward leaning technology yet they don't have like a lot of the things that we would have currently and it's kind right. of like a, an odd game to play. Like I think right now, one of our like most devastating military weapons that people probably don't know too much about, but they like totally exist. It's called like a kinetic uh, bombardment. Basically, you take these tungsten rods up to space and you literally just drop them on your target. Sick. And they're like. <laughs> They're called God Rods, colloquially. Holy yeah, shit. Which, How do I not know about this? This is fucking rad. Because it's sicker. <laughs> it's sicker, dude. It's They're um, literally space drops. Yeah, but it's it's like literally indefensible because they drop so fast. Like your warning system would tell you like when it's 100 like miles off the ground, maybe. Right. And you, we have nothing fast enough to stop it. And yeah. so it's, it's almost like the new... Uh, the new Cold War is like, well, we all got God rods. Who's going to, you know... Who's going to drop one if, first, If you baby? drop one, it's yeah, like, right. it's as bad as holy, a nuke. Holy shit. You can like... It's basically so heavy, these tungsten rods, that it would just like melt a city. I need to look this up. It's wild. Uh, so, do they have any like test footage on that? I don't think they've publicized any God Damn rods it. dropping. <laughs> Damn it. There's like Wikipedia's though all about it, so... Hell yeah. But the, the point being like... Do we not have satellites? Because they somehow have a bunch of like radar technology and communication technology. Like observation drones kind of thing. Right. So like, is there satellites? Like, have they thought of maybe just dropping something from space on the, whatever it's called, the the big fucking bomb boy? another, Another great thing about this world is that a lot of it is left up to intuition of the audience and implicit messaging that if you noticed the Federacy and the Republic and even the Alliance of Wald, they all have distinctly different technological, not just advancements, but paths that they have invested in. It it makes me think before the War of the Legion have has humanity in this particular pseudo earth been really cagey, almost like a Cold War situation about what they can and can't do from a technological and military standpoint, because we have the para raids in the Republic. We have way better aircrafts in the Federacy and a lot safer mechs over there. With And they were just like, what the fuck is this para raid thing? Well, we're definitely going to take that and use that. <laughs> Yoink. And, Yoinkus. And then the um, UK or whatever they were. Yeah, there was it was like Rio Grande or whatever the fuck. Like some they had like way better like 
uh, observational technology. Yeah, surveillance. Yeah, yeah uh, surveillance. And so, they're like, wow, you're really giving us the whole, uh, the whole caboodle. fucking meatballs. And they're yeah. like, well, I mean, it's world-ending calamity. You may as well join up. And that's the thing. Everyone's shocked at them revealing that information only furthers that potential thing you can think about is they these countries probably were at each other's fucking throats, like a Cold War situation for them to be like, oh, you just gave us the goods? The deets, the sweet deets, like out of nowhere, and they're we like, "We have no god rods." Explain wait, that the, to me. Yeah, where's your god rods? Hmm? Sorry, just just question. You have god rods? Yeah. Um. You know, you don't you don't know? <laughs> you don't have god rods. Okay. Then. I don't know, I don't so you don't have. If you don't know, then you don't know. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. No god rods. No play. I don't want. I don't even want you in this alliance. We're well, not even it, it was interesting. They said they mentioned they do have cruise missiles, and then they're like, "Oh, it's too slow for some application." Cruise missiles are stupid fast. Well, I think it's against the Morpho, the railgun. And that's one thing, too. Now that they have basically... Yeah, there's the other question. How is the Legion so technologically advanced? Right. And I, I think that it's... I think it's the, the old empire that built them way overstepped their bounds. And they're like, oh, fuck. And then basically the, the uprising failed, but then the AI went just like, <laughs> no. Sorry. Sorry. We're, 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 we're it now. And they just... Because they, the people who made them had a six-year obsolescence plan. It would automatically um, go dark at six years, but that's how long the human brain was supposed to last in these. So they had a really good AI-type decision, right? Well, what if we just get more brains? And then our cycle just recounts. Great. So Right, but they said, like, originally the Legion had, like, zero tactical ability. Like, they would just, like, throw waves. Right, right. And then, like, when they started adding brains, they started getting, like, tactically smarter. Yeah. Like, for instance, Morpho took out a bunch of, like, forward operating bases, like, pinpointed them. Like, that is, like, really high-level tactics. Yeah. And, and it's, I, like, like, but still, if you're stealing brains of people who have yet to come up with, like, wild shit, like, as far as I could tell, it was, like, sort of a... They take your brain and then like your last programming essentially is like how you live get used. Your, and yeah, it's how you yeah, get how used you it. legion your shit. How you legion that shit, baby. And and so like I don't understand how they have such ridiculous technology without anyone around them being smart enough to create that technology. I think that's I, I guess great I just point, I need point, to know point. if no face is like its own AI that's just like constantly getting smarter and growing, like like we would think it is. Like I I would have think that no face genetically recombinating uh code or whatever, right? And kind of maybe hive mining this shit. But yeah, to your point, I mean the the brain. Well, addition, I thought the hive mind legion thing was a very like definitely on the nose, but very like tip yeah, of the hat type shit. Pretty good, not not too bad. We are legion. We are all. We are many. And the idea that they had with the morphos was like another. I think a great tactical leap forward for the legion. Right? They showed their might with this weapon. Obviously, would make it a central point of attack for any opposing force because it's by and large the strongest thing. Anything in this battle is shown. So they had a spare on lock, pull that, reload with the core, and then lure everyone in with the dead one because they said, oh, yeah, we made them think that, you know, you got a good hit, but it's not down, so we're going to go finish it off. Nuh-uh, that was a lure. Legion Daddy's got another rail gun. That's how it'd be. So I, I, don't, I, I, I wanted to see more of the Legion. If apparently there is more light novels, so more could be adapted, but... I'd be curious to see there's still those mysteries kind of dangling in front of us. And if we never know, 
all the better. I know. I think certainly there better be another season. <laughs> well, like they just got to a situation where it's like they finally all got into like, let's just say even pegging. Yeah. Even keel right there. Uh, like all of our main characters from season one and well, like not all of them, but <laughs> not all of them, a lot no. of the main characters from season one and two that we've invested a lot of time and energy in have just finally like met up. Yeah, they're all they're all squatted up now. Yeah, they're squatted up. They're holding hands at the end type Aww, shit. Yeah, and um, I love the idea that like at the very end when Lena finally finds Shin, the one she was directing all through part one, I found it a little interesting that even she didn't recognize him. I was a little concerned about that. Right? I was like... They talked should, every fucking night. You would think you would recognize the voice. I know it was like in a bad way. He also called her moment. Colonel three times. Shouldn't she be like, what the fuck? How would you know I'm a Colonel? Considering like, uh, I am not currently, I'm a captain. Oh, she's a major. Yeah, I think that's what, what yeah, they whatever, called her. Major. Sure, right. Yeah, it's like, I'm not that though. I would, you know, actually... I, and then the other thing is like, how did she... How did she last enough time in the Federacy? Like she was around them a bit to have not heard at all that there was 86 there. That's a really good right? point. Right, because it was months. Also, and then it kind of fucked up. They didn't say like, we should go say hi. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? very, they, yeah. like, they spent three, four months, I think. But it was like almost December to March before they even like went and saw her. And I'm like, yo, that's fucked up. Right. She the, thought you were dead for three months. She's probably mourning you. The plan happened in October. Then they went back out in around November. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because they, they celebrated at the end. It was the, the birth holiday. Well, the it, showed, birth holiday. it showed Christmas. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then the last scene is like March 20th. That's right. That's super right. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck are y'all doing? Just like letting her languish over there. Yeah, that's that's pretty cold and then even worse like when they gave her her like assignment you remember there's like this scene where she's like pissed off talking to the operations guy and i'm like well this guy sucks so he could have done anything to piss her off that's fair and she's like (laughs) you see her her tablet and there's like a lot of blacked out names that's obviously her boys that's the boys what the fuck yeah exactly it makes no sense she's about to lead them and you're not gonna tell her tell her their names that makes no sense and i think that's for her it's just like wait a minute I've I've felt this before. I've felt the dehumanization aspect before. Kind of a little thing again, right? The Federacy still. But I don't know if I. That's why if they explain that, I'd be okay with that. But it's but just they did like not do that. Yeah, I couldn't tell if they're like. This is gonna be a surprise for you. <laughs> like I could not tell if that's what they were going with, and if that is, it's like you really waited till like way after Christmas, way after like Easter, even. Yeah, right. It's almost Easter, my guys. You got just give it, just just. Please go say hi, right? For the love of God, but yeah, and again, these are nitpicks. Or like I mean, why? Um, though, I think symbolically, her saving him at the end was unbelievable. Oh, when she when that shot from nowhere, yeah, from yeah. fucking downtown, you know, dude, yeah, downtown. That <laughs> was a full court shot, and then he he basically put the barrel right in that right in the morphos fucking throw it yeah right down the gully right in the right in the chrome dome and i that well actually that last like interaction with kyrie where he's like trying to pull back but kyrie is holding his hand like to him to self-destruct unbelievable well framed i definitely teared up i'm like oh my god this is this is good well it's almost like the life that he's living he wants to get away from it and can't kind of a situation yeah like he's still pulled in yeah 
Uh, that's where he finds purpose. Literal the, chills, bros. Yes, yes. And I think like his growth is like, he finds a reason for living through living for Lena. And that's oh, yeah! just to get back to her. It's fucking gold. I was actually going to be so mad if he got together with Kurena or whatever because she's so annoying. She's pretty <laughs> annoying. I like Anju way more. I, 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 okay, I misplaced a lot of season one when I watched this and I'm like, I thought Anju and Shin were like together oh, and I, and I forgot enough. that there was like that blonde guy that she did like. Leo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that him? Yeah, Leo was kind of the, the hot mouth, the one who like mouthed off to Lena and he's a bit of a... But he was a tall guy, right? The older kid. Oh, no, never mind. Because the one, the five left Theo at the end... Theo is laughing Fox who bitched at her. Theo, sorry, not Leo. Theo, I'm thinking of Theo. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. A, there's a there was an older blonde guy who was like Anju, Raiden, and her kind of age. Oh, that's right. And they were like getting together. Is he like uh, the undercut kind of kind of dude or no? Like like shoulder length hair. Blonde. I do not remember him. <laughs> um. Anyway, I had forgotten he exists. So like when when they were like not together, I'm like, what is going on? I thought her and Shin were a thing, and I'm like, oh wait, that was the other dude entirely. <laughs> Couldn't be more opposite. And I'm like, oh yeah, him and Malaise, we're going to get it on if they ever meet up. Absolutely reunite, if you know what I mean. Well, unite. Oh, unite. They never united. So honestly, clearly masterpiece, like nitpicks here and there. But, you know, I, I think maybe if you aren't paying attention, you can maybe the pacing or the way they cut past and future can get a little confusing. But other than that, absolutely no fucking notes um i recommend this as a binge this is this show is an absolute binger give yourself a weekend just crack it out it's only 23 eps and a lot of those actually in the middle are like recaps like i think there's one two three recap episodes in the entirety in dub they weren't there thankfully okay in sub they were there um so this is kind of a, a kind of weird thing. It's something I, for some reason, this is like a character trait of mine. I don't know what the hell the problem is, but I'll like really enjoy one half of a season and like won't be able to finish the second half or like won't start it. It's, it's similar to like Tokyo Revengers. I never went past her episode. That I did. I go one past and it's, it's worth it. It's solid. But yeah. it's just like, it, it's just like one of these weird things, one quirks that I have, but when I tried originally when this came out, I was going to watch it. And then the first like maybe five minutes of the first episode for part two, like has nothing to do with our like main cast. And I'm like, are they just going to like replace the cla- the cast and like oh, start with Colossus, over with Colossus and uh, who she's Cyclops now. Cyclops. That's right. And, and I'm like, I'm like, no way our boys all died. And they're just like, all right, round two, bitches. Next generation Boruto shit right here. I Let's literally go. thought that's what it was going to be like. And I'm like, this sucks. And I turned it off. <laughs> I didn't turn it off. <laughs> and, and like literally one minute later, I would have seen our boys. Yep. Yep. And, and boys waking up. See, and, and that's the one thing, too, is if I had a little bit of a nitpick, I, I wish they did more with lena i don't hate that they didn't i like where they went otherwise obviously it's about the boys but um i i liked a lot of her story in season one about you know defying the systems that made you indoctrination and denying that well her naivety being woken up by a reality like a harsh reality that's really cool i we saw her hardened in the second and it's made her the top handler but 
Kind of bloody Regina, the bloody, bloody Regina. queen. Yep, I, I do think they missed out on a slight opportunity. I totally agree with you because th- there's clearly something going on when her uncle was like, "I'll I'll buy you time," kind of thing. But like, I don't feel like they explained that enough to where I was going to understand what was going on. Yeah, yeah, you and- know what I mean. Like, so I just wish there was like a, maybe one or two more scenes where there was like maybe a flushing out of that whole kind of side of the argument. Cause like it was clear, like her, her, her boss was like being a prick because of all the shit that happened in season one. But she was also just like popping off winning all of her battles and shit. Cause like yeah, 86 for some say? reason like her. Yeah. I mean, and so like she got demoted. I, I don't know. There, there was just like a lot of, I think, behind the scenes stuff that happened in in the Republic that we didn't get to really, we weren't privy to that kind of put it in a weird position. And then like her and that other girl, the uh, like scientist bitch, like they made up somehow. Yeah, right. And also, yeah. So, I mean, if then moving away from the Republic is fine, I, I wonder if the story wrung out all the juice they wanted from the Republic well, as a setting and characters. Honestly... I think they had more to give. It was there. kind of strange because her, her I, I want to say it was her uncle, the general guy was like, well, maybe we should just all get eradicated. Like he almost didn't want to put up a fight on purpose because he knew how fucked they were like as people. Yeah. And I'm like, borderline. Okay. Yeah. Right. And but I think, then I, it was like, then that was actually voiced by our good president in the Federacy. He's like, "Well, I'm gonna let you all burn if you let these these kids die." And I'm like, "Wait a minute. Oh, uh, what? And I think Wait a him second. going off with the gun is a kind of was he wanted that whole monologue he had about you know it's my duty to protect you while you were dreaming your dreams as a child, but one day, someday, maybe today." That reality is going to crush you and your dreams altogether. So I think him going off with the gun is symbolizing like, I'm not coming back. This is the reality that will kind of crush you. That's the way I saw that. But like, that's not a, that's not like a full thought. No, it's, it's not full. It's not fleshed, but that's what I, that's almost, I, took I was away. thinking more of like, you know, the old generation is there to be like a shield for the new generation to come into their own kind of scenario. Yep. That's the, yeah, that's kind of it. But like, they also were playing that really heavily on the Federacy side, right? They kept saying like, oh, you know, we don't, I don't um, feel good about putting kids on the front line. And yeah, but we're going to do it anyway. So hmm. <laughs> there's some like confusing, I think, um, I would almost call it like, bureaucracy situation going on in yep. both sides that I, I guess I wish I got a little more like flesh out, but I think overall, like the amount of transparency they had for like some of the battle schemes and stuff like that. I thought, I thought like sick as hell I could use a little bit more just cause I like that kind of shit. I'm a weirdo like that, but I think it was just enough to like inform people who don't like war shit but like still enough to where people who do like warship were like, okay, that was pretty nice. Could see, could see the, it's, the it's like, it. like yeah. girls on Panzer did a really good job of the war side, the tactic side while being like cute girls doing insane things. And like this did like maybe a little bit less than I would have loved on the tactics, but they still did. I think more than season one and like 
it did feel like we were really kind of involved in the battle on well, the, the Western theater front. Just, the theater just grew. Yeah, when we yeah. Had, like to your point, United Kingdoms. Like we have much more allies. I mean, it we felt have, like World War Two. I'll tell you that right now. Some fucking allies out here. I'll tell you, yeah, that. brother. And the the Legion Axis power. Duh. Um, but you know what, man? You know we got to do it to him. And I think this one's gonna be. <laughs> super hot yeah it's so, a certified g tier okay wow god tier you say uh-huh okay no gandalf tier <laughs> oh fair enough fair <laughs> enough which uh which score would you give it <sighs> this is a certified 98 90 fucking eight i mean Whoa. this shit absolutely popped off i was in 94 um this is the best show of the year so far absolutely and probably definitely just nothing's going to compare. Maybe, I don't know if Chainsaw Man really just pops off and teaches me something. I will say, I've been, I've watched the new trailers for Bleach, and it does look like it's going to be insane. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, Disney, so I'm just going to sail some seas or something and like watch it like I really want to. Like I used to. Yes. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. Watch Bleach like you used to, guys. Like the old days. Like the old days. But yeah, high, high scores for this, but it absolutely is worth it. What'd you give it? 94. Okay. 94. I, I think... The I only, mean, a little low, but that's the, fine. The only thing that's that's keeping me from maybe higher is that, you uh, know... Brain cells. Me, you know, <laughs> I think I think brain cells. That's part of it. I have been uh, inundated with, with uh, Legion Tech. I don't know. Fuck me. But Domestic abuse claims. <laughs> domestic abuse claims. Yeah, I was frazzled when I was watching it. I missed some of the nuance. I mean, honestly, the I missed outside. the symbolism of the ants eating the fucking butterfly, yeah, I was watching a cop just circle my place with a perimeter for nobody, apparently. With a fucking AR. <laughs> so, and what's, what's blocking me, I would say, Max... Ain't my ain't my bag. I like war esque and war strategy type shows. But it sounds like not about the mechs. It's not about the mechs, right? Right. right. But like, if that is the vehicle by which they give it to me, that 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 human of a story, I'd say that you know, eat I, your heart out, Evangelion. Eat your heart out. Come on, guys. And you know, wartime strategy. I enjoy it. I like it. I don't know if I'm as much of a nerd for it as you are, but. I can recognize that it was fun. It was super fun to see the strategery happen live. Um, it was really cool. And there was some real good jaw dropping, like in the battle, like twists, like the second morpho and like, you know, this onslaught of like aerial attacks, like definitely like there are moments that like, Oh shit. Like that was really intense and really cool. So all in all 94, that's what it gets for me. Easy peasy. But thank you. <laughs> for coming to class everybody if you want to listen to more of our back while you're already in the platform babies you can just go over one click over and go down to 170 plus episodes like comment subscribe wherever you do that thing on youtube and anywhere else you kind of get your podcast fix all the links will be in the description of anywhere you're listening to this right now if you want to give us some monetary love only if you can patreon.com slash ubology one on up gets you into our discord with all of our past guests and lovely patreon folk where we'll be no doubt talking and singing the praises of this show when this episode drops three dollars and up gets you the syllabus sidebar the lo-fi high vibe sometimes anime sometimes not sometimes on hiatus and sometimes visual show where we talk about life and things and about 30 episodes of stuff over there to listen to as well and i think that might be it for all i got today i'm about to get me a dense tray of food i'm so hyped for that i've not <laughs> eaten all day <laughs> really all day most of the day i grazed a little bit 
but it was bad. I had, I had a hard life. some... Oh, yeah. Some tray chick. But until I can fill my belly with calories and feed my wrinkles, I'm Ricky. <laughs> and I'm Ethan. And this is Noemology. Deuces. Deuces. Okay, I'm going to ride home with my fucking spider bag. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I traded the Subaru in for that. My Reagan leaf. <laughs>